Take your copy of the Word of God this morning and open it with me to the book of Exodus, picking up where we left off a few weeks ago in chapter 16 and verse 19. Exodus chapter 16, verse 19. John Maynard Keynes was a famous economist who was born in the latter part of the 19th century. In 1930, or 91 years ago, he made what became a rather famous prediction for his time. He said that in the future, with all the advancements of technology, that work would get easier, so much so that by the time we got to the 21st century, he said the average American would only have to work on average 15 hours a week. He said our biggest concern would be what we would do with all of that spare time that we would have. I think we can all agree that that prediction was a flop. Yes, there are lazy people in the world. That's another sermon for another Sunday. But for most of us, our problem is not making time for work. Our problem is finding time for rest. In 2017, there was a report that said only 2.6% of working Americans are in the habit of setting aside one day of rest per week. Now, if that is true, that means 97.4% of us really need to hear what the Word of God has to say at the end of Exodus 16. This morning, I want to talk to you about this topic, learning to rest. When we were last in the book of Exodus a few weeks ago, God tested Israel for the second time after he brought them out of Egypt. Their food supply got low, and instead of trusting God, the Bible says they complained. They should have prayed, but they complained. And Psalm 78 says that their complaining was actually an act of rebellion against God. God responded to their rebellion, not by punishing them, but by blessing them. God said, I'm going to make it rain bread from heaven. And sure enough, the next morning they got up and there was this small white substance covering the ground. It was bread. The Bible says they called it manna. Everyone ate to the full and everyone had enough. But this morning, I want to share with you the rest of that story. You see, when God provided manna for Israel, he gave Israel some very specific instructions about how they were to collect it and when they were to collect it. Six days a week, there would be manna, but on the seventh day, there would be no manna. You see, God was teaching Israel a new concept. God was teaching them this thing called the Sabbath. 
The Israelites had spent all of their lives at that point as slaves in Egypt. They had never known personally anything like the Sabbath. This was for them a new concept. And I have a feeling that it's going to be a new concept for a lot of us this morning as well. And so as we read these Sabbath instructions that God gave to Israel, I believe there are four things about the Sabbath that we should learn, four things that the Sabbath or the observance of the Sabbath should teach us today. And first of all, we see here that the Sabbath is an act of faith in God. It is an act of faith in God. Look at verse 19. And Moses said... Let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. But some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted For 40 years, the Bible says, God provided this manna for Israel to eat. But at the very beginning, God said to them, take what you need. Don't spend time working for more than you need. In other words, trust God today to give you what you need today. And trust God tomorrow to give you what you will need tomorrow. By the way, it is biblical to work and save and set aside for the future, but that's not what Exodus 16 is about. Exodus 16 is about God teaching his people to trust him every day, not just some days, but every day of their lives. Well, what happened? The Bible says that many of them did what we might have done in that situation, Some of them said, well, I know that God told us we're only supposed to get one dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, but there's something that I can think of that's better than one dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, and that would be two dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. And so maybe I'll get a little bit extra so I can hold on to some of it for tomorrow. Now, let me ask you a question. Those folks who went out and said, well, I'm going to gather extra manna. Those who either took more than they needed or who did not eat what they could have, what were they saying to God by their actions? They were saying, the Lord provided for me today. But what if he doesn't provide for me tomorrow? They were saying, God gave me manna today, but what if the manna doesn't come tomorrow? I guess I'll just have to take matters into my own hands and do things my way instead of God's way. That's exactly what they were saying. And by the way, many times... We're just as guilty as the Israelites in Exodus chapter 16. We do this several ways. Sometimes we do this with our money. 
Sometimes we say, well, yes, I, I know God provided for me today, and yes, his word says to bring the tithe into the storehouse, but if I tithe, if I give 10%, can I really get by with what is left over? Sometimes we do this with our time. And we, there, we have a lot of people who really don't have to work on Sundays. And by the way, some do. Even on Sundays, people get sick. Even on Sundays, crime happens. Even on Sundays, there are fires that need to get put out. I'm not talking about that. But there are those folks who do so not because they have to, but because they just don't have enough faith that God will provide for them if they don't. Sometimes we do this with our own bodies. There are folks who think, well, I can't give a day of my week uh, to the Lord. I can't set aside a whole day for rest and for worship because if I do that, how will I accomplish all of the things that I need to get done in only six days? Now, in every one of these cases, God is asking us one simple question. Do you trust me? He's asking, do you really believe that I will provide for you and meet your needs if you do what I'm asking you to do? God's asking many of us that very question this morning. We know what the Israelites did. They tried to hoard some manna for the next day. How did that turn out for them? The Bible says the manna they stored up for later, it spoiled. The next day, it was full of worms. It stank. Can you imagine all of these poor Hebrews trying to clean out their tents and to get out the smell and, and all of the worms? For the first five days of the week, the Bible says that God gave them this manna, and this manna had a one-day shelf life. That's it. And God specifically did it that way in order to test them and in order to teach him, teach them to trust him every single day. And so the first thing we see about these Sabbath instructions that God gave to Israel and he gives to us is that it is an act of faith in God. And when we apply the Sabbath principle to our lives, yes, it's going to be an act of faith for us as well. Now there's a second thing I want you to see here. The Sabbath also is a reminder of God's faithfulness. It is a reminder of God's faithfulness. Look at verse 22. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. After five days of collecting manna, the Bible says on the sixth day something very interesting happened. They got up, they went outside, it's time to collect the bread, and all of a sudden there's twice as much manna as the days before. Now it sounds like the people were very surprised by this because the leaders of the people came and reported this to Moses. But they should not have been surprised because God had already told them back in verse 5 that on the sixth day there will be double the manna. Well, here's the explanation in verse 23. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath 
to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Moses said to the people on the sixth day, here is why you see double the manna today. Because today, and only today, you are to go out and collect two omers per person and not one. Go ahead and prepare it however you like it. He said you can bake it. He said you can boil it. But get ready because God is giving you what you need today so that tomorrow you can rest. Any other day of the week, if they tried to store extra bread, what happened? It spoiled. But on this day, the sixth day, they collected extra bread, but it did not spoil. And so by giving them double on Friday, God, in essence, provided for them every single day of the week. Now, you can probably guess what happened, even if you've never heard this story before. You remember those folks who on the first day of the week decided that they were going to hoard extra manna for the next day, and their manna spoiled on them, and those people who had all those worms and the odor that they had to deal with? You remember those guys? What do you think they said when the sixth day came along and Moses said, all right, here's what I want you to do. Today, I want everybody to collect double the manna you normally collect and save it until tomorrow. You know what they said, I don't think so. <laughs> I know what happens when you try to keep manna for more than one day. It stinks. I'm not going to make that mistake again. And so the Bible says in verse 27 that those folks went out on the Sabbath day looking for manna, but there wasn't any because God had already provided for them on the day before. I want you to notice God did this because in verse 23, this seventh day was called a holy Sabbath to the Lord. It was holy. The fourth commandment says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now, in the Old Testament, the Sabbath fell on the seventh day. It was Saturday. A lot of people ask, why do we observe Sunday as our day of worship and rest. You get to the New Testament, and we see in the book of Acts, the early church observing the first day of the week as commemoration for the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. The church was born on a Sunday. On Sunday, Peter preached at Pentecost. On Sunday, 3,000 people heard the gospel, and they were saved. Paul told the Corinthians, receive the offering on Sunday. John, in the book of Revelation, called Sunday the Lord's Day. We could go on and on. I do believe there's a biblical basis for us in the New Testament to observe Sunday as our Christian Sabbath. But there's something I need to point out in all of that that doesn't change the fact that it's still holy. 
Our Sabbath in the New Testament may be Sunday, but it is still holy, and we are to treat it as such. I hear a lot of people put down the practice of the Sabbath and say, oh, no, the Sabbath, that was part of the Old Testament law. Haven't you heard? Jesus already fulfilled the law for us, therefore that does not apply. May I remind you of something? When God gave the Sabbath to Israel, he had not yet given the law. The Ten Commandments had not yet been written on stone. It was before the law, not after, that God gave the Sabbath to Israel and said, this day is holy. Now, if they were to treat their Sabbath as holy in the Old Testament, I believe it stands to reason that we are to treat this day as holy for us. I'm going to say something that might offend a few folks, but this day is holy even during a pandemic. I'm so glad for technology. I loved technology being able to worship with you guys online when I was on vacation. Hey, last Sunday, I was in Mexico City in isolation, and yet I was able to worship with my church family online. That was awesome. As I say this, I know we've got so many church members right now who praise the Lord, though they're required to be in isolation or in quarantine at home. Some of you watching this message right now from a hospital bed, God bless you, we love you. So please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. There is one slight danger when it comes to online worship. If we're not careful, we can fall into the habit of seeing the Sabbath as just one hour in front of a screen, wherever I happen to be, after which we treat the rest of the day just like any other day. Do you understand how contrary that thinking is to what we see here in the Word of God? According to the Word of God, this is holy. Are we treating it like it is holy? I know a lot of folks may be struggling with this right now. I know Christians who constantly complain about how tired they are and about how busy they are and how they don't have time for the Lord. And they blame it on their work. They blame it on their chores. They blame it on their community involvement. They'll blame it on their family. But the real problem is simple disobedience to practice this command of setting aside a day for rest and for worship. And can I tell you something that I've learned personally in my life? I have learned you'll actually get more accomplished in six days with God than you would get accomplished working yourself silly seven days without Him. You say, Pastor, how's that possible? Seven is greater than six Seven days are more than six days. It's possible because God is in it. God can do more in six days of your labor because God is faithful. That's why. And we see God's faithfulness again and again and again in this passage. The very fact that God made manna appear, that was a miracle, miracle number one. 
The very fact that on the sixth day, twice the manna appeared, that was a miracle, miracle number two. The fact that the manna on the sixth day suddenly lasted twice as long as the manna all of the other days, that was a miracle, miracle number three. The fact that every seventh day, there was no manna to be found, that was miracle number four. Do you see what God's doing here? It's one miracle after another when you order your life according to the word of God, when you choose to receive it and believe it and base your life upon it, God is faithful. God will work on your behalf. God will move mountains if he has to for you. God will perform one miracle after another just like he did in Exodus 16 God instituted the Sabbath to be a reminder of His faithfulness. He is faithful. Something else that we see about the Sabbath in this passage, we see also that the Sabbath is a gift from God. It is a gift. Look at verse 29. See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath... Therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Twice God said to Israel, this is a gift. How many of you like receiving gifts? Be honest. Oh, we all love getting gifts. Now let's be extra honest. Some Gifts are better than others, right? Some gifts are better than others. You're reminded of that. Some of you at Christmas or your birthday or Father's Day or Mother's Day. But what about when there's that person who knows you so well? That person who knows everything about you, who you are, and what you need, and where you are in life, and what you like, when that person who knows you so well gives you a gift, you always want to receive that gift, because you know whatever it is, it's going to be good. Who knows you better than God? He knows everything about you. He knows who you are and where you are and what you like and what you need. And God said to Israel, and he says to us, I have just the perfect gift for you. This is a gift. And yet, I know so many people, and so do you, who can't receive that gift, who cannot take just one day of rest without feeling guilty about it afterwards. You know what I'm talking about. Do you realize God gave us this gift because he knows what we need? Did you know that people who go to church live longer? It's true. Some of you are thinking, oh, pastor, come on. That's one of those urban legends that you saw somewhere online. Oh, really? Time Magazine, February 2019. Whole article trying to figure out why it is that people who go to church live longer. Live Science Magazine, March 2006. 
The title of the article, Churchgoers Live Longer. These are not Christian publications. These are secular publications. These are non-believers. These are scientists who admit, yes, it's true. People who go to church live longer. They just don't know why. Can I offer a suggestion? Could it be because those who go to church are more likely to actually practice the biblical day of rest? And it turns out, lo and behold, when you give your body rest, it lasts longer. That's why. Maybe you heard the old story about two men who were cutting down trees. And the first guy, he was so desperate to cut down as many as possible, he swung his axe all day long. But every now and then, he'd see that second guy out of the corner of his eye taking a break. And yet at the end of the day, it was that guy who cut down more trees. And the first guy said, I don't get it. I swung my axe all day. I saw you sitting down. How did you cut down more trees than I did? That second guy said, well, I don't know if you noticed, but when I was sitting... I was sharpening my axe. There are a lot of people who spiritually are worn out because spiritually they're not practicing the biblical principle of the Sabbath and spiritually they're not sharpening their axe. The Sabbath was not given for God's benefit. It was given for our blessing. That's why Jesus said in Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was never meant to be a burden. It was the Pharisees who came along and took this good thing, this gift, and turned it into a curse, turned it into a bunch of rules, things you could do and could not do on the Sabbath, how many steps you were allowed to walk on the Sabbath, they missed the entire point. The Sabbath is a gift from God. But all too often, God's people just don't accept that gift. And as a result, they get weary. They get worn out. They begin to lose their perspective then they become vulnerable to temptation. And at worst, they begin to despair. Why? Because they have an unopened gift from God. That's why. The Sabbath is meant to be a gift. One final thing I want you to know about the Sabbath that we see in this passage. It is a celebration of God's deliverance. It is a celebration of God's deliverance. Look at verse 32. Then Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. God said to Moses, I want you to take a little bit of this manna, set it aside. You're going to put it in a jar. In the verses following, he gives them some instructions. He said, you're going to take that manna, put it in a jar. It's going to go with the testimony, which meant the Ten Commandments, which were yet to come. 
But you're going to take that manna along with the Ten Commandments. Eventually, it gets put in the Ark of the Covenant. And then the Ark of the Covenant is put in the Holy of Holies inside of the tabernacle. And then later on, inside of the temple. But God told Moses to set aside some manna. And this manna did not last for 24 hours. This manna did not last for 48 hours. This manna would last forever. Miracle number five. But God told Moses to do this so that for generations they could keep going back to that bread, keep going back to that bread, and that they would be reminded of two things. Number one, how God provided for them in the desert, but also God said, I'm giving this to you as a reminder of your deliverance out of slavery in Egypt. I want you to listen to what Moses had to say about these manna instructions and this Sabbath rest in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. Listen to how Moses said it. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. God gave Israel manna. He gave Israel manna in such a way that they would take a day of rest every week. And God did it that way, he said, to remind Israel in part that they were once slaves. To remind them that they were slaves in Egypt, but then God set them free. Pharaoh never gave them manna, but God did. Pharaoh never thought of giving them a day off from work, but God did. And that's why they kept the Sabbath to remind them of that truth. Does this apply to us today? Oh, you better believe it does. Because we who know Christ, we need to be reminded that we were once slaves to sin. We need to be reminded that through faith in Christ, through his death and his burial and his resurrection, Jesus set us free and for us, every time we cease from our labors and set aside a day of rest and worship for the Lord, we are reminding ourselves, the Bible says, of a bigger and a greater rest. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 verse 9, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. This is a spiritual rest. This is an eternal rest. This is the rest that Jesus promised to us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28 when he said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for 
your souls. Jesus said, come to me. Receive me. Follow me as Lord of your life today. And I'll give you the rest that is salvation. I'll give you the rest that is forgiveness. I'll give you the rest that is eternal life. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the rest that you have given to us, first to Israel in the form of the Sabbath, to us as well in the New Testament on Sunday. But we understand that the true rest that you promise us, that you want to give us, is so much bigger than just rest for our bodies one day a week. As important as that is. But there's a bigger rest, a spiritual rest that you offer to us in Christ. Forgive us for the many times, O oh Lord, we have not followed the Sabbath commandment. Forgive us for the many times we have not practiced the Sabbath principle in our lives. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for those many times that we have not entered into or enjoyed that deeper, greater rest that we have through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Forgive us of that this morning. And we ask you right now to speak to us and show us how we need to apply what we've read and what we have learned in the Word of God today. God, I pray for any man, woman, boy, or girl in this room or watching online who needs to come to Christ and receive this rest that he offered to give, whoever will come to him and receive him. God, how I pray that this would be that day that some man, woman, boy, or girl would confess their sins and would put aside this feeble attempt to work for their salvation because it's exhausting and it's not even possible but that they would come trusting in the completed work of christ alone who died on the cross and who rose again that this would be that day that they come and say jesus i need you forgive me save me i'm yours father i pray for all of us in this room this morning that you would give us the grace that we would come and participate in the Lord's Supper in a manner that is worthy. That by coming to this bread and partaking of this cup, we would be reminded of the price that Jesus paid for us to deliver us from slavery to sin and death. Show us those things that we need to see so that we can confess whatever we need to confess, so that we can repent of whatever we need to repent. And be glorified, we pray, in these next moments. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.